RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. Government advisers say the BioNTech vaccine can be given to frail elderly people. Officials say there's no need to close Lunar New Year flower markets as it emerges that two COVID patients visited them. And US President Joe Biden raises Hong Kong and other concerns in his first phone call to Xi Jinping. Hong Kong's vaccination push has been given a boost after government advisers recommended that the benefits of giving frail elderly people the BioNTech jab outweigh any risks. Violet Wong has details. The government's advisers last month unanimously backed the BioNTech jab for emergency use, but raised concerns about reports of deaths in elderly people given the jab in Norway. Now, two advisory panels say they are recommending that the vaccine is given to frail elders after the Department of Health received more information. They say there's no evidence of an unexpected or untoward increase in mortality in frail elderly people who are given the jab. However, the advisers say even mild adverse effects may worsen the condition of extremely frail people. They say that doctors should take a final decision in those cases and carefully balance the risks. A million doses of the vaccine are expected to arrive this month. Health officials reported 21 new COVID cases today, with all but four locally acquired. Seven cases had no clear source. Two patients are linked to a cluster at a typo public housing estate. Dr Chuan Shikwan from the Centre for Health Protection says two patients had visited Lunar New Year flower markets, though there's no need to shut them down. I think they visit a flower market does not mean that they acquired the infection from the flower market. The two cases are in fact, they are all linked cases to other cases. So, but because they went to the flower market, just like they went to any other markets in the wet market or, so, um, or supermarket, if we know the place, we will advise those concerned places to carry out disinfection, just in case the case might spread the virus to, to the other people in the market. Dr Chuang also called on people to keep gatherings with families and friends short during the holiday, which begins tomorrow. President Xi Jinping and his US counterpart Joe Biden have held their first telephone call as leaders, with Mr Xi warning confrontation would be a disaster for both nations, as Mr Biden underscored his concerns about Beijing's policies in Hong Kong and Xinjiang. Vicky Wong has details. With Sino-US relations at their worst in decades after four tumultuous years under Donald Trump, the new US President Joe Biden sought to set a new tone, offering Xi Jinping his greetings and well wishes for the Chinese people ahead of the Lunar New Year. But the White House said Mr Biden also underscored, quote, his fundamental concerns about Beijing's coercive and unfair economic practices, crackdown in Hong Kong, human rights abuses in Xinjiang, and increasingly assertive actions in the region, including toward Taiwan, unquote. The U.S. leader also said a free and open Indo-Pacific was a priority. In response, mainland media reported President Xi as saying that he hopes the United States will cautiously handle matters related to Taiwan, Hong Kong and Xinjiang that deal with matters of China's sovereignty and territorial integrity. The foreign ministry also said President Xi stressed the need for peace and development at a time of great uncertainty. He also said confrontation would be a disaster and the two sides should re-establish the means to avoid misjudgments. China analyst Willie Lam of the Chinese University says Hong Kong will continue to be a contentious issue for both sides. It's interesting that Biden raised Hong Kong at the very top of his list of priorities. 
but the room for compromise for Hong Kong uh, is very small. It is unlikely that Biden will roll back some of the sanctions which Donald Trump had imposed on, for example, Chinese and Hong Kong officials responsible for the national security legislation or restoring Hong Kong's status as a separate customs territory different from that of the mainland. So uh, Hong Kong would continue to be an impediment in uh, restoration of healthy uh, Sino-US relations. A former police officer has been spared prison after admitting he took advantage of housing perks he wasn't entitled to for 15 years. Principal Magistrate Peter Law handed down a four-month suspended sentence to the officer who continued to live in married quarters in Chinwan after his divorce in 2005. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is exactly five minutes past 11. The Under-Secretary for Constitutional and Mainland Affairs, Andy Chan, has resigned, with the government saying he was leaving for health reasons. Here's Timmy Sun. The government says Andy Chan, who is in his late 40s, is currently on leave and will vacate the post at the end of the month. His departure comes just a few weeks after the resignation of Jade Lai, the political assistant to the Secretary for Home Affairs. The government has said Ms Lai, who is also in her 40s, left because she needed to take care of her family. Ms Chen took up the undersecretary position in August 2017, after previously spending five years as a deputy secretary for transport and housing. He joined the administrative service in 1994 and served in various parts of the government, including the Security Bureau, Food and Health Bureau and Home Affairs Department. The Equal Opportunities Commission has warned building companies that they risk breaching the law by turning South Asian workers away from construction sites. The watchdog says it's received reports of South Asian workers with negative tests for COVID-19 being refused work while colleagues from other backgrounds are allowed in. A minority rights group, Unison, said the situation had worsened after coronavirus lockdowns in areas where many South Asian people live. Phyllis Young is its executive director. They were told to wait and not go back to work, whereas their Chinese peers and their colleagues, even though on the same team, was able to go back to work. So we think this is very unacceptable. And the company did not give any reasons why they could not go back to work despite a negative COVID test. The Construction Industry Council says it's looking into the matter. The Health Secretary, Sophia Chan, has dismissed concerns that Hong Kong doesn't have the capacity for the massive number of COVID tests that will be needed for restaurants to extend their dining hours after the Lunar New Year break. The catering sector has questioned the feasibility of testing around 300,000 workers every two weeks, as required under the government's plan to ease coronavirus restrictions. Damon Pang reports. Under the government's plan, local restaurants can only extend their dine-in hours to 10 p.m. every night if workers are tested every fortnight and all customers are made to use the government's Leave Home Safe tracing app or register their personal information. Wong Kit Long, who's also the president of the Dining Art Institution, says the catering sector will do their best to comply, but he's worried that there's simply not enough testing capacity in Hong Kong to handle such a large amount of tests. 
He told a radio program that while 650,000 COVID tests were conducted in December, the plan would entail almost as many every month for the catering sector alone. With teachers also needing regular tests, along with lockdown operations, he's concerned that the system will be overwhelmed. In response, Health Minister Sophia Chan told RTHK that Hong Kong now tests around 100,000 people a day, adding that different people can get tested at different times. Representatives of the tourism sector are urging the authorities to allow Hong Kongers to go to Shenzhen on quarantine-free day trips so they can be vaccinated there against COVID-19. Francis Sitt reports. Working in concert with local deputies to the National People's Congress and the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, the Hong Kong Travel Agent Owners Association said vaccination trips on cross-boundary coaches should be arranged for SAR residents. They said the process could be similar to arrangements made for local deputies who recently travelled across the border to get Sinopharm jabs. MPC Delegate Nick Chan said that procedure went smoothly, showing that it is viable. As a bubble, we move up. As a bubble, we come down and we don't get to interact with anyone who's not within the bubble except for people who are in full PPE gear and who know what they're doing. It was quite efficient. Uh, If it only takes a few hours to solve a problem, why not? The key isn't about prioritizing this over a local Hong Kong vaccination program. This is about making available more avenues for people to be able to be vaccinated quickly, efficiently and safely. Hong Kong is expected to start its vaccination program after the Chinese New Year with BioNTech jabs, the only vaccine approved in the city so far. But Fred Ib, president of the Hong Kong Travel Agent Owners Association, said his sector and other businesses cannot wait a few months for more vaccines to be approved and for the wider population to be vaccinated. Totally and completely, we don't have any business for almost one year. We can wait in Hong Kong, but as we know that it will take some more months and we cannot afford to wait for another month. Mr. Ip said he hopes normal cross-border travel can resume as soon as possible, suggesting that people who have been vaccinated should in future be exempted from quarantine when they travel from Hong Kong to the mainland. The Civil Service Secretary Patrick Nip has told government staff there's no need for them to worry about signing a new declaration form pledging allegiance to the SAR if they genuinely accept its contents. All civil servants have one more week before they have to sign the declaration or risk dismissal. Timmy Sung reports. Critics of the declaration requirement have linked it as a sword hanging over people's heads. But Civil Service Secretary Patrick Nip says if government employees genuinely accept the content of the declaration form, then they should not feel threatened by it. The entire civil service was given four weeks to sign a declaration promising to uphold the basic law, pledge allegiance to the Hong Kong SAR, be dedicated to their duties and responsible to the government. The deadline expires on Thursday next week. The government has refused to give specific examples of what would constitute a breach of the oath, saying only that the four offences under the national security law and any acts that aim to undermine the government and the governance of Hong Kong will be seen as violations. In an interview with RTHK, Mr Nip said the declaration is just a confirmation process, as those responsibilities already existed from the very first day people joined the civil service. 
when asked if the declaration is retrospective and whether civil servants could be held accountable for the views expressed on social media in the past, such as any anti-government comments or calls for the liberation of Hong Kong, the civil service minister said it depends. Whether it is a breach of the oath, we will look at if there were any laws or regulations have been broken. So if those were involved, we have mechanisms to follow, he said, adding that officials would also look at acts widely reported by the media. As to whether civil servants can express their views on political matters outside work or criticize state leaders, Mr. Neep would only say that there are limits to freedom of speech. Myanmar's military government, where protests against last week's coup are continuing, has drawn up plans to increase internet censorship. Here's the BBC's Jonathan Head. They've drafted a, a really tough law which will criminalise any kind of social media or internet posts which the military judges to be threatening to public order. People who work in business and the economy there say that perhaps what the military doesn't fully appreciate is how much in a country that didn't even have any internet to speak of only 10 years ago, how much now small businesses depend on Facebook. It's one of their plans because social media is being used so effectively at the moment to mobilize people and we've had yet again huge numbers of demonstrations of people coming together all across the country. The German carmaker Volkswagen says it's teamed up with the US software giant Microsoft to work on self-driving and driver assistance systems. The BBC's Theo Leggett has details. Like other manufacturers, Volkswagen is grappling with rapid technological change. Many modern cars already carry an array of advanced driver assistance systems, such as automatic emergency braking and adaptive cruise control. Future models are expected to use ever more complex self-driving or autonomous systems, which will increasingly take over tasks from the human behind the wheel. The deal with Microsoft is expected to make it easier both for Volkswagen to develop new software and to deploy it to cars that are already on the road, allowing them to be updated with new features when they become available. Japanese media say the head of the Tokyo Olympic Committee is to resign after being widely criticised for making sexist remarks. Reports say Yoshiro Mori will offer to step down at a special committee meeting tomorrow. Here's the BBC's Will Leonardo. There's been growing anger in Japan and abroad after Yoshiro Mori complained last week that women spoke too much in meetings and were annoying. Hundreds of Olympic volunteers have resigned and major sponsors have voiced criticism. Tokyo's female mayor, Yuriko Koike, refused to attend a meeting with Mr Mori, an 83-year-old former Japanese prime minister. The scandal, barely five months before the opening ceremony, is the latest hurdle for the organising committee, already facing questions about the feasibility of holding the Games during the pandemic. Public opinion in Japan has hardened against hosting the Olympics this year. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Government advisers say the BioNTech vaccine can be given to frail elderly people. Officials say there's no need to close Lunar New Year flower markets as it emerges that two COVID patients visited them. And US President Joe Biden raises Hong Kong in his first phone call to Xi Jinping. The news from RTHK. In our newsroom, thanks to Steve Dunthorne, we'll have more headlines at midnight. Late night music Kevin Lewis Radio 3 15 minutes after 11 John Denver Heaven, West Virginia Blue Ridge Mountains Shenandoah River
is older, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze, country roads, take me home to the place. What a great way to start the hour. Or Well, it's, it's 15 or 17 minutes into the hour, but uh, that is, of course, John Denver, Take Me Home, Country Roads. Uh, 1971 was the year. Uh, good evening to Victor. Hello, Victor. Sent me a message. Uh, so he's listening. Uh, thanks. Uh, for that, uh, Victor, and uh, yes, you're around sometime. Uh, Richard, uh, a regular listener to Radio 3, Richard Malig, good evening to you. Uh, it just uh, pointed out that sadly Kenny Rogers died a couple of years ago. I kind of got my wires crossed there earlier on. Thanks, Richard, for uh, keeping me on point. Uh, we're going to move on uh, very quickly with uh, something from um, 1965. <laughs> The voice of Elvis. The old hometown looked the same As I stepped down from the train And let her meet me Is my mama and my papa Down the road I look and there 
hair of gold Like cherries go To touch the green, green grass of home Yes, and there 